You're listening to the SHL Smart Teams podcast, a show where we invite experts on people science to talk about how to build a future where businesses thrive because their people thrive. Hi, welcome to the SHL Smart Teams podcast. Uh, my name is Lydia Chapman, and I'm a business psychologist and senior consultant with SHL. And I'm here today to talk to you on why investing in early careers is really important for an organization's talent and strategy in light of the current market, and also to talk about some lessons that we've learned from the ADECO Group's CEO for One Month program on how to do this effectively. So I'm joined here today by Dan Querent, who comes from the ADECO Group and is the global program head of the CEO for One Month program. So welcome, Dan. I don't know if you'd like to give yourself a bit of an introduction. Yeah, thank you very much, Lydia. Good to be here. As Lydia says, Dan Querent, Global Program Head for CEO for One Month. Previously working in early careers. I think I've been the, the head of early careers UK and Ireland sort of for the last four or five years prior to taking on this role. So been working quite closely with the SHL team and the early careers market for the last seven, eight years in total. Can't get away from it and wouldn't have it any other way. A lot has changed around the unpredictability of work and you know being able to get the right talent. So what do you see as being the key market challenges from an early careers perspective? Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's very easy for me as a cheerleader for early careers to say that with the kind of current war on talent, skills shortages, that they are a natural solution. But I do think they are. I think those challenges exist. They're, they're not getting any better. They're probably, if anything, widening. For me, early careers in general, again, take away the cheerleader element, but I, I do think it needs to be the bedrock kind of of any company hiring. We're talking about possibly the most diverse demographic. So a continuous investment into early careers must be crucial for all companies. I think these kind of new ideas and new ways of working, kind of positive disruption in many ways. Candidates who are brought up and very comfortable in this technologically advanced world think that is the solution moving forward, is looking to how we look at the market conditions and how we target people who are often going to be early careers candidates, people who are going to embrace these changes kind of rather than fight them. I know I've worked in, in companies before where not everyone is comfortable with change, whereas I think with early careers, you've got a moldable demographic here, always looking to learn. They're the type of employees I definitely want to work with. It lets us flex around these ever-changing market conditions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people anticipated after the pandemic that things would slow down a bit and become less unpredictable and more stable, but it's sort of gone in the other direction almost. And it has changed the skills that we need and, and what we need people to be able to do. Combined with an aging workforce, we're losing valuable skills from the population as well. So absolutely agree. I think, you know, having that those graduates and early careers coming in that really builds that pipeline of future talent for people to have that potential, see that potential of fit and then grow that capability from within. I guess the biggest challenge with that is how we actually then get the right early careers talent. So what do you see as the key challenges being in, in doing that? Yeah, I think it's, it's never been harder to find the right talent. I think we happen to be very creative. I think strategies being used for attraction in the past, I would say, is very much outdated now. I think early careers talent don't want to be sold to. They they want to take a collective and reflective view, take a step back, maybe see something like CEO for three or four times and then make a judgment that they want to apply for the program, like make a conscious decision. I think they're very smart with their time. They don't just want to apply for hundreds and hundreds of applications. So it's about showing how your brand stands out and why it's different to the market. I think we've explored new avenues this year. I think I've never felt so either old or young. I'm not sure, but we have tried new things like TikTok and Twitch this year. Very much looked at the influencer angle just to give ourselves new opportunities to speak to these candidates in a different field. So yeah, I think the attraction strategy for me probably over the last two years since COVID 
is probably the most different it's ever been since before I've worked in early careers. I think the biggest challenge overall in terms of getting the right talent, I suppose, so even if we have track of them, getting the right talent is finding the way through that raft of candidates that we have. I think there's no bribery involved here, but having the likes of SHL involved when you've got maybe thousands of thousands of applications for often tens or hundreds of roles, we need experts like SHL, assessment specialists, find the best way of kind of weaving through those candidates to make sure that when we have attracted the right talent, that we then find the right talent that sits within that population. And you're right, regardless of whether it's early careers or professional roles, we're still trying to attract in a very, very competitive marketplace. But I guess the key thing with these early careers roles is we can't rely on that experience. And we shouldn't be because that's not what's going to tell us about how we can build these people up in terms of that capability for the future. So understanding what the critical criteria are, relying on that potential and fit, and then growing that is is absolutely key. So we've talked a bit about CEO for one month there. Do you want to give us a little bit more of an overview about what CEO for one month actually is? Yeah, and friends or colleagues ask me on my job. It's probably the most interesting job probably I've ever held, even trying to explain it. But CEO for one month is a program whereby we have 46 countries. We run like a marketing campaign across the whole global unit for all participating countries. Each country will select a winner, let's say. So it, we have smaller countries and larger countries. So we have anywhere from hundreds of applications to, to tens of thousands of applications per country. And each person will find a way to kind of whittle those numbers down and select one winner. And that one winner, they get to spend one month shadowing the country CEO. So making it very UK-centric for you and I on the call today, I think if I was to go through the UK selection, I would spend one month shadowing our UK country head. Every kind of client dinner, every marketing meeting, commercial meeting, PR opportunity, everywhere that person goes, this intern have an opportunity to shadow that person for the duration of a month. And that in itself is probably like one of the most accelerated learnings you're ever going to get. But that's not it. I guess that's not where it stops. As they've done their shadowing, we then take them through to the global challenges. And that's where they, I would say that they go up against the other countries, but they actually end up becoming best of friends, which is pretty cool. The moment we introduce all the countries together, they're they're doing their Zoom dinners and networking events together just to explore more about each other's history, their paths, their cultures. It's just something I've never seen before in my life. But we have to find a way of kind of putting them through an assessment during the summer. So we do things like Dragon's Den, like a Dragon's Den type task. We ask them to submit like an innovation project, all these different kind of metrics to allow us to kind of ascertain who the, the top 10 will be. And trust me when I say it is very hard to take these numbers down to 10. And then the top 10 get invited to a boot camp. So last year we flew everyone from around the world into Zurich for five days, kind of five days of coaching, learning, development, dinners, well-being activities, etc. And at the end of it, we have to choose one winner and the one winner who will then go on to shadow our company CEO. So a company with 40,000 employees, 100,000 clients, that person will shadow our CEO, Denis Michel, for one month as he travels around the Adeco Group business. Um, so like really doubling down on the learning for that person, earning a paid internship and a CEO salary as you go along. Yeah, it's such an amazing opportunity and, and so, so unique. And what we've been doing this year, which we'll talk about some of the kind of things that came through from this is speaking to some of the people going through this program and also who've gone through the program in the past to really understand what their experiences are in this program and where they see value, what they're looking for from an employer and what's really important for them to succeed in the current market that we're in. So that's been really, really insightful alongside being able to look at some of their assessment data as well and be able to get some insight from that too. 
So we've been talking about attracting in a competitive marketplace and the number of expressions of interest and registrations that you get for this program is just incredible. I mean, I think last year it was 137,000 across 47 countries. So huge, huge interest in this. And I think you've said even more this year, did you say 187,000? 187,000, yeah. (laughs) So huge numbers, despite this not having a permanent position at the end, which I think is absolutely incredible. So What do you think it is that this program is getting so right in order to be so effective? I've inherited a good program. I've managed internships, grad programs for a few years now, as mentioned. The volumes we receive are crazy, but incredibly appreciated. We've got past the stage now where people are realizing it's a genuine opportunity. I think sometimes when we were getting contact from people in the past, they thought this is too good to be true or this doesn't seem real and... We really thought about that in terms of our website and our social media. It was very much kind of stock imagery and and using that kind of thing to publicize real extension of our Deco Group brand. But instead, this year, we've really looked to diversify. We've used our candidates, let them speak to you. We've got a lot more kind of real video content to show the proposition is different. I think it stands out. It's not a fixed summer internship. It's not a fixed two-year kind of graduate program. I would say it is an accelerated learning curve. I think that's kind of appreciated. I mentioned earlier on about these guys in early careers really valuing their time. They want to like apply for something. They don't want to feel like they're wasting their time. If they can get an accelerated learning curve in one month versus two years, of course, they're going to be interested in that as well, as you can imagine. So they get maximum experience for minimal time. And that's a real positive. I think I mentioned each country winner gets that kind of prices opportunity. So you said, obviously, there's no permanent position at the end. They get the paid internship during the summer. That in itself is kind of priceless. Obviously, the final 10 again, they get a chance to go on and shadow Denis. I could end it there in terms of like the proposition, I suppose, is what I'm getting at. There isn't a guaranteed fixed role at the end, but that doesn't mean we don't try. So often we do have students. We have people who are in jobs already. We have people that are going into civic skill sets. We will often try and and match these people to our business where we can. Uh, I think if you look on our social media channels, if you look on our Why Apply page on the website in terms of testimonials, you will see that a lot of the people actually did join our business from CEO for one month. We have a lot of top talent retained in our business all around the world. If you look at our Instagram or our LinkedIn pages, etc., we have our ambassadors, we have our alumni, people who will give us everything for this program, come back year on year to support us. So we do try and place them, whether that's into our business or that of our clients. But I think overall, it's just a different proposition. In a market where there are lots of internships and graduate programs, this one just stands out. I think it is something different. They get a chance to shadow a country, a global CEO, where you, you walk around and you potentially get a chance to join these exec meetings or work with clients at that age and that part of your career. It's just something that's probably unrivaled in the market. And I, I really think we play on that and we, we do bring it to life. And it, and it is exactly as it looks on the outside. There's nothing hidden. As you say, there's this unique exposure to senior leadership that is such a differentiator for this program and so, so many development opportunities. I know speaking to people, past and present program participants as well, a lot of people talked about this level playing field of having no required background or experience. You know, they can they can go through our assessments and that's their entry point to the whole process rather than being screened out based on a CV, a qualification, a degree. So that was also something that came through as being really valuable. And equally, also a lot of people mentioned they'd had either opportunities for additional kind of work within their DECO group and so on. So I do think from my perspective, I see how well this program creates a relationship between the DECO group and these program participants, they can see their place in the organization. They can see where they can grow and progress. And I think it's such a credit to the program and to the ADECO group that 
they then want to stay and they want to go into those roles. So what more could you ask for, really? Well, I think that's it. I think it's it's a really inclusive program of having no barriers to apply, really. Obviously, we, we try to make it as many countries as possible where we have an ADECO infrastructure in place. But to be 18 plus, really, and no skills or educational requirements to join is, again, not too common in the marketplace. And uh, we're, we're really proud of that. I think it just gives us a really diverse set of people. And you see that from the last few winners. We had last year's winner and still in education, first year of education, Lara. I think she's 18, 19 when she came through the program got the fairest of opportunities and really got the opportunity to stand up against people potentially have more experience. We've talked a bit about using SHL's objective assessments as well in our conversations so far. So in the program, we include assessments around ability, personality, motivation, behavior-based assessments, all sorts of different things in the CEO for one month process. So from your perspective, what do you see as us kind of being the key value in doing this? Evaluating candidates is not one-dimensional. Vital that we try and look at all elements of an individual's personality and cognitive attributes. What an individual's preferences are, what they're interested in is just as important as how quickly and efficiently they answer a numerical problem. So just putting my ADECO hat on, ADECO want to know more about the person and what makes them who they are. And that's why we have such a strong alumni and, and the people that come through our program are just right for our business because we are thinking about them. It gives us that insight to give us an indication of whether they're likely to do well, whether they're likely to perform well in the role, to feel that they are able to excel in that environment. We also even see from our assessment data as well that we can see that people who are finalists at the end tend to be people who have performed much better on those preliminary assessments. So we can see that there is that relationship between those elements, even though it's you know quite a long process with many different learning opportunities throughout, we still see that link between the end and the beginning. And of course, taking away that focus on qualifications and experience, objective assessments allowing us to do that as well. So yeah, always bringing it back, I guess, to that exploration of that potential and fit to make sure that we're getting the right people, right place. With that, one of the things that was quite interesting that came out as well in terms of speaking to to past and present program participants was really that a lot of people really said, well, actually, this added a lot of credibility to the conversations I had with people at at the ADECA group. So with the global captains who are our kind of assessors for this, this process. So for them to say, well, you know, they didn't just have a one hour conversation with me, which doesn't add a lot. They really explored things that they found really interesting to explore from their personality and motivational profiles. And they used that as evidence to build on that conversation. So yeah, something to explore that natural style and add a key layer of credibility to the process. Is that something that you feel is reflected in terms of the way that we use our assessments? We're a small team, but we have such a huge program. Everyone fully commits to this. They give time. I think it's. I think that's what we try not to do is we try not to just give shell of a recruitment program. Holds a really strong brand internally in terms of people wanting to be involved in this program. So it's it's very easy to get buy-in internally for a CEO for one month. And I think, yeah, that definitely does match in terms of assessment. You spend a lot of time working with early careers people as part of this process. What is your perspective on what they want from an employer? Look, obviously, I'm not early careers myself. Fortunately, not in that age bracket anymore. But I'll try and speak on their behalf. I think it's. I think opportunity-wise, look, always sounds kind of cliche and very easy to say. But look, they want growth and progression opportunities, and I think that's a fair ask. That should be a common denominator of the majority of roles, especially early careers level. I think they want to keep learning. I remember a stat a couple of years, three, four years ago, before COVID, reading about it, and was sort of 35% of kind of universally qualified students come out at the other end and still continue to learn, put themselves for another additional qualification. So 
they do want to keep learning. They don't want to just come in and just sit and, and have this role uh, in front of them and just plod along. They want opportunities to kind of stretch themselves, test themselves. They want to achieve these challenging goals. I think where possible, probably touched upon it, but they want a personalized approach for your recruitment process and then a flexible position when they then join the business, especially when it comes to things like kind of hybrid or remote working. I'd say they're motivated by sort of being able to uphold ideals, expose in terms of ethical and quality standards. Culture is huge for them. We always think about that. We want to sort of show that. I think that's what we do with Adeco and, and CEO for all month. We want to show what we're about as a business, as an organization. Because a lot of them are thinking like recruitment, Adeco wasn't number one choice for them. It maybe wasn't number one choice for me coming through still, just naturally due to the way you're positioned. So we're about showing them that side of our business to allow them to make a conscious decision about us as an employer so that, do you know what? If they do get rejected from our process, then it's not the end of the world. They've, they've had a good experience. They'll go away going, do you know what? I would consider working for, for a business like Adeco. That probably biggest takeaways I take from, from CEO for a month is the opportunity to showcase that to them. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we spoke to a lot of different people who'd taken part in the program and they didn't need to be a winner to say, do you know what? I learned so much from this and I would do it all over again in a heartbeat, you know, gives so many opportunities to learn. But no, absolutely. Those things around having meaningful work and so on, things that align to their kind of ethics and values seems to be very, very important, this kind of demographic and certainly around that kind of progression and, and challenge and opportunity for development. You also mentioned the kind of friendships as well earlier. I mean, that social connection, really feeling that shared sense of purpose also seems to be really important as well. One of the things I thought was really, really nice to hear in speaking to people who'd taken part in the program was one of the key things that came through was they just want to be given a shot. The overwhelming message around, I didn't know that I could do all of this stuff before. And I got a chance to show this. And now I feel more confident to go away and apply for this job and this job. I never would have done that before. I think that's such a great outcome. And I think that is what we should be striving for, to give people the opportunity to show actually, do you know what? They can do this and they can build their confidence and, and giving them the opportunity to build that from within an organization. I think too often assessment is one way street. I think often assessment is an employer. Like you look at the size of our company, it's us making a decision on whether they should join our business. I want it to be more about them assessing us. Would they want to work for our business? Even as in terms of the recruitment process, every little piece of it is important to me. It's about looking at the progress. And I, when I was designing this program, I think my first thought process was always 187,000 candidates is amazing. But the next question is going to be, what happens next? And it's that means 186,000 something, something, something are probably not going to be successful. So it's about, do you know what, going back to that time thing, if they invest some time in my program, with our business, it's about ensuring that we respect that time. So I don't want to be one of these messages that get put on LinkedIn where somebody goes through a process and gets a really basic email to say, unfortunately, you've been unsuccessful. Do not contact us for feedback. That's why, and again, no bribery involved here, but SHL is crucial to my recruitment program and always has been because... I used to go to these events and speak to these colleges and whatnot, and they don't get feedback at the stage where most people are rejected, which is psychometric testing, usually because of the volumes of candidates. And for us to build that in and, uh, and adapt it this year and add video feedback on board, somebody might not want to read a developmental feedback report because they might find it too complex. Give them instead a, a two-minute video to showcase what their strengths and uh, development areas are as well. So we're, again, appealing to a more diverse criteria. But that just means that everyone who applies to our program, they fundamentally are learning. Yes, we are having to assess you but i'm giving you something to go away so that you know what if you're unsuccessful 
take that into your next job application. I really, as an early careers cheerleader, I just want them to go on and do something great with their career. If that's not on a deco, case or asara, I will be happy in knowing that they've been developed by us at a deco and they've had a positive touch point and they've gone on because fundamentally in 10 years time, either they're going to be my boss, they're going to be my client, they're going to be something along those lines. And I want them to thought and look at us and think about recruitment and think about a deco and go, do you know what? They really care about the kind of future of work and, and I've enjoyed going through that process with them. And that is noticed. And when I was speaking to people going through the program as well and saying, well, you know, here are all these things you kind of want. How do you know that an organization provides that? Overwhelmingly, it was, well, it depends on how they treat me in the recruitment process. It depends whether I get feedback. It depends what their representation is like in terms of their their brand as a business during that process. So you know, it is noticed and it does make a difference to that kind of overarching impression. So no, absolutely. And and totally agree that, you know, that feedback at least gives them something to go and, and build on and, and take to something else. I guess we've talked about a little bit of insight that we've we've had around, you know, what candidates want and so on. How would you advise organizations in terms of how to use this to both attract people, but also to retain people in the long haul? A lot of companies have put a lot of focus on attracting people, lots of pretty sizable marketing budgets to find the top talent. And I think that's where the, the switch maybe goes off, I'm honest. I think a lot of companies maybe sitting at the top table trying to argue the case for early careers and why it's important for their business find it harder maybe than it should be to justify because the return on investment is not always quantified because we do have a lot of interns that do not convert into permanent employees. They don't come back after education or we have graduates who join the graduate program and then leave within two years. So I think for me, early careers is on a journey. Things like the recession do not help because that's where it almost gets put next to luxury item for some strange reason that shouldn't be the case. When you've got the most diverse population of early careers people, it should be, as I said earlier, the bedrock. But I think that's where the companies will then, if they retain and they continue with early careers and they persevere, fantastic. But I think it's the next stage, which is the really important piece. How are we showcasing them? How are we looking at that progression and that journey? Do they see a future in your company? Is there a clear pathway for them or are you just waiting for them to leave after two years and join a competitor? And that's where those conversations about continuing to invest and companies putting a lot of money behind early careers are weakened because they turn around and say, right, well, you brought in 500 people and X amount of them have left after two years. It feels like you're almost developing someone for your competitor because they move on to another business. So I think companies really continue to forget. Obviously, we are going through a recession and a really challenging economic time. But look, you've got this really moldable set of early careers talents that are brought up in a technologically advanced world. They are people who can be flexible when you need them to be flexible over the next few years. If we know the market's changing day by day, then you throw in chat GPT into the mix as well, and things are going to change even more and even more. What you want is these flexible people in your organization who are open to this change and then just show them a pathway in your business. And I think that's the retention piece. There's a lot of good businesses that find a way to attract the right talent. The next step for them is finding how they retain that talent. Dialing back to the challenges we talked about at the beginning, this is critical. We need these skills, but we also need to make sure that we have that pipeline for when we, with an aging workforce, lose so many people. So we want to do it for the early careers people, but I mean, it's it's equally important from an organizational strategy perspective as well in terms of being able to execute on that and having the right capability to do that. So no, clear pathways for internal mobility is key. Otherwise, as you say, yeah, people will just go somewhere else. So what do you see is, is the right characteristics for early careers? What should we be attracting to really build that pipeline of capability? 
it probably has changed over the years. I'd like to think that soft skills are becoming more important. I think soft skills is often something which maybe I think sometimes people put on their CV and underplay, or we know a lot of companies focus on experience and qualifications, etc. see a lot of people writing on their CV that they're good communicators or they're a good team player, but there's no real quantification of what that actually means. We're really looking to embrace our next level of talent. Behavior obviously is, is critical for us in terms of what we're looking for. We want people that obviously have potential, potential to grow, potential to be the right fit for our business. We'll look for that growth opportunity. I think we definitely have a CEO for one month. We've looked for a different type of person maybe over the last few years. I think that kind of new age leader is like obviously fundamentally it's CEO for one month. So there is a, there's a large leadership connotation to what we do, but our leaders that have come through are completely different leaders now. That was my first boot camp last year in Zurich. Everyone gets the opportunity to look on our YouTube page and watch the final announcement back and listen to the final five speak. You just see a, a completely different leader nowadays. You just see these incredibly emotionally intelligent leaders. I don't think I knew what emotional intelligence was when I was 18 to 25, selling myself short here, but I, I really probably didn't. These real analytical thinkers, these great respectful communicators, the way that they treat each other, the way they supported each other, going through what was a, a big competition slash program to choose the best they were more about their their peers respectful and that kind of resonates for our business i think we, we look at that in terms of what we expect from a ceo what we expect from our ceo denny and yeah it's just not being afraid to to show your true self we talk about it again it sounds quite cliche show your true self but it is true in this program i think by that stage, especially the latter stages of a program, we are working with people who have bundles of ability. It's about now working out, do you have the right fit for us and do we have the right fit for you? And that's where we then start really breaking it down and seeing them as kind of as people and getting them to feel comfortable. And I think I just seen it last year in the journey from day one of people flying in from different continents and how they change by day three and day four of feeling comfortable. And I think that's what we do in this program is we find a way to feel like they're not hiding anything. They don't be afraid to be vulnerable. They were talking on stage about well-being and as I say, emotional intelligence, et cetera, et cetera. Don't be afraid to show yourself because a lot of the time we know people going through assessment processes or interviews maybe don't. And that, of course, comes with that looking for that potential and, and fit as well, rather than yeah, focusing on tick box criteria. But especially with the market changing as it is, such an important point to know what you're looking for and then focus on potential in that area, which, of course, we can measure the SHL's assessments as well, not to plug. We've talked about lots of bits here. So we've talked about the fact, you know, this attraction piece, retention piece and so on. And it is clear that CO for one month covers these elements really well. You've also worked, you also have a background in early careers part more generally of the ADECO group. How do you see these themes being reflected more broadly in the ADECO group's own early career strategy? CEO for a month is a huge catalyst for what we do. We have a future at work strategy. It's a strategy at the DECA group that, yeah, early careers is a, a huge part of that. We strongly believe in helping people to unlock their potential. It's all underpinned by a purpose-driven approach. We want to make the future work for everyone. That's what we want to do. We have these organizations within our business that can support with career transition. We work with former athletes. We work with people with disabilities and from underrepresented groups to support them and trying to help them find work or reskill into different working areas working with our clients obviously to change their perception of what's needed and again thinking about early careers and, and trying to really talk them through why it's important but we do a lot of work around developing our own employees we obviously have a future leader program here at Zeco group as well as ceo for a month and we obviously commit to other things like experience workday where we open our doors and in, in later parts of this year to anyone who wants to come in and see different job roles within our business 
what we don't want to do is sell to people. We want people to come in and make their own judgments. And something like Experience Workday really helps with that because it gives us an opportunity to let them come in and make their own decisions, which is really cool. What I would say is the fact that our CEOs, our country CEOs, commit a full month of their time to this early careers talent once a year in a very busy schedule, and then followed by Denny, our CEO himself. He chose two winners this year in 2022 for the first time ever in his first 12 months in the business. That just shows you, like, he could have just done the minimum, but he chose to have two people, two different shadowing periods, two different months. So he's not just doing it as a tick box or just for the minimum. I think he believes in that kind of future talent model i think reverse mentoring itself means it isn't just beneficial for the talent that comes through our program we actually benefit from this a lot of the kind of projects and ideas that come from this program we've actually integrated in our business by a ceo for one month what i would maybe consider when i was younger which is the shadowing coming in and doing small tasks within a business I would argue and maybe even say making the tea. These guys come in and their opinions are really respected and requested to the point where we then use it to drive the rest of our business. So yeah, I think the fact that we practice what we preach in our business actually commits so much time and senior resource just shows that early careers is at the forefront of our thinking. Right, well, we've covered a lot, I think, across the course of this podcast. If you had one final bit of advice for organizations who are looking to invest in early careers talent, what would that be? Look, again, very easy for me to be on a podcast doing the cheerleading, but the facts are there. I think early careers talent grew up in the digital world. They are proactive. You see around how many young entrepreneurs, how many new young CEOs and businessmen and women we've seen in the marketplace, startups, they've had access to infinite amounts of information and knowledge growing up, stuff that people 10, 20 years ago didn't have because of the lack of access to internet, etc., um, or the development of what's available to them now. So if that's what they can do on their own, <clears throat> I would guess I would say, imagine what they could do in your business if that's what they're doing for themselves. Now, yes, okay, you always need to, some people will go off and do their own thing no matter what, but find those people, those that entrepreneurial spirit and that kind of creative mind and integrate them into your business because if they can create their own businesses on their own, imagine what they could do with an infrastructure of a huge company and the freedom and the support to drive something forward. It's got massive potential. I know you said one, Lydia, so I'll go for three and just, push it today sorry second one probably look it's quite obvious gen z is typically seen as probably the most diverse generation probably replacing one of the least diverse generations which is the baby boomers so that naturally should be an obvious appeal for these businesses to commit to this early careers and show their evp off by committing to a diverse set of people coming through their business i think i don't need to tell anyone that is listening i think obviously diverse organizations on the whole will outperform those who have less diverse populations in terms of productivity and there is associated commercial gains to doing so, which is, again, in itself is a huge value add for any business on top of just bringing in this young talent. Find a ways to allow these candidates to, to showcase their soft skills. Don't always think too much about the qualification and experience. And don't get me wrong, sometimes you will have to just based on the size of your candidate outreach or the type of work you will be doing. And then lastly, I think, look, it's a very tricky economic markets. I said earlier on, sometimes it can be pushed down the priority and the pecking order in favor of more business critical hiring. And that was notable in previous years, previous recessions where cohorts were canceled or reduced. But if anything, I think now is the time we should probably be doubling down and hiring aggressively from this talent pool instead to ensure we stay ahead of the game in terms of innovation, branding, 
and our position in the market. I mentioned, obviously, the fact that internships are deployed and then companies struggle to keep these people. Same thing applies to the grad programs, obviously, leaving after two years. So it's about ensuring what you're doing in your business is being done correctly and that you are not forgetting about them when they join your business. That's the most important piece to show them that kind of feedback. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our conversation. I guess for those who are who are listening to the podcast, we've also written a white paper talking about some of these insights as well. So please do go and have a look at that on SHL's website. You'll also be able to find more information about SHL's graduate solution as well if you want to see how uh, SHL can help with supporting your own organization with, with some of these issues we've been talking about. Other than that, Really big thank you, Dan, for joining us. And it's your second time on the podcast. Really appreciate you coming back. My pleasure. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the SHL Smart Teams podcast. To learn more about how SHL helps companies leverage their greatest asset, their people, please visit shl.com.